This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, Episode 86. Hey, podcast listeners, welcome back to the show. You are listening to the Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast with me, Casey O'Rourke, your hostess with the mostest. I am so deeply grateful that you tune in each week to listen to the conversations that I'm having with all sorts of people, mostly about parenting. I love getting feedback from you and hearing about how the conversations are impacting your life. I love that. I'm so, so grateful that I get to hold this space for you and for my guests and always, always, always know that the conversations that come up on the show are spontaneous and they are simply an offering, an offering, an offering for you to find nuggets that fit into your family life, into your vision for what your family life could be. Um, Yeah. And ultimately I hold you as the expert on you. And I love that I get to, you know, offer some little tidbits here and there from the people that I've been connected with or networked with. And I hope that you are always getting a lot out of our conversations. So yeah, today's guest, Cheryl Irwin, is a positive discipline lead trainer. She's a therapist from Reno, Nevada, and somebody that I've known for quite a few years. She is one of the co-authors of the Positive Discipline Zero to Three book. Is that correct? Yeah. Also the Positive Discipline for Preschooler book and the Positive Discipline for the Single Parent book. And that's the topic of our conversation today is single parenting. Cheryl's going to speak from her own experience as a single mom raising a son and also from her experience with all of the people that she's worked with both through her positive discipline trainings as well as her own private practice. And um, it was a really powerful conversation. I know that 
you will get a lot out of it, whether no matter what your family system looks like, you will take away something from the conversation. So I'm really, really excited to introduce you to my friend, Cheryl. Hi there, Cheryl. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Casey. It's good to talk with you. Please share with the listeners about your journey of doing what you do. My journey um, started when my son, I have an an only child who is now 32 um, and has survived me just fine, apparently. (laughs) Um, He was about six and my marriage ended and I had been with my husband for 20 years, did not see this coming. Um, He's a lovely man with great integrity and was always a wonderful dad, but he decided he wanted to be somewhere else. And I was left at 36 with a six-year-old child. I had been out of the workforce for since he was born because we decided I would stay home and take care of him, which I loved. Um, But it was terrifying. And in the midst of healing from that change in my family and trying to make sure that my son was going to be okay, I really had the opportunity to spend some serious time looking at my own process of parenting and what worked with my son and what didn't and learning how important it was for me to take care of myself. So I had something to offer him. And interestingly enough, a friend of mine said, well, you know, you need something to do. Um, Why don't you volunteer to teach parenting classes? And I had never done that before. And I remember asking her, well, like, do I have to bring my son in for a test? I mean, how do you know that I'll be (laughs) any good at this? And she said, no, 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 no. We'll give you all the information that you need. And I don't even remember the name of the curriculum that they were using at the time. But the way they trained their volunteers was you went and sat through a six-week parenting class with someone else facilitating, and then you did it. Mm -hmm. So I showed up in the basement of the Episcopal Church here in Reno, Nevada, with six lovely people. You have to remember, this is Nevada. So two of them worked at one of the local brothels. Um, (laughs) There were two nice, I'm not making this up, there were two nice suburban couples who were looking at everybody else like, oh my goodness, and then a couple who had been court-ordered, and the facilitator never showed up, <sighs> did not show up for six weeks. So my first introduction to teaching parenting classes was teaching. Wow. So you were and the teacher. I was the teacher, and so we all learned it together, and we had a wonderful experience. I learned way more than they did, not surprisingly, mm-hmm. and I was hooked. And I actually wound up taking a job with a nonprofit here in Reno called the Children's Cabinet and running their parenting education program. And someone, I still don't know who it was, slipped a flyer on my desk one day for a two-day teaching parenting the positive discipline way training in Sacramento, California, which was being taught by Lynn Lott and Jane Nelson. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. And it was like, I just sat there and thought, this is it. I have found my corner of the world. So that was, goodness, in the early 90s. um, I actually learned positive discipline by co-authoring the single parenting book with Jane. Mm -hmm. Um, She made a little announcement at the end of the two-day training that she and a friend of hers were going to write a book for single parents. And obviously I was one and I had been having lots of adventures learning how to do that (laughs) successfully, which included getting my son and I lost in 
the the not so great parts of of Oakland on the way to a ball game because I was trying to be a good dad along with a good mom. Mm-hmm. I mean, I learned everything the hard way. And Jane read some of my stuff. I sent it to her. And then she called me at six o'clock in the morning, which is what Jane Nelson does, and (laughs) said, I've been reading your writing and I would really love for you to co-author my book. And I was not awake. And I thought, this is great, but it'll never happen. But she was dead serious. So that was my connection with Positive Discipline. There have now been nine books um, several manuals, mm-hmm. and it has become what I do. Um, I feel so privileged and so blessed. And the thing that was wonderful for me is that it became totally interwoven with my own journey of raising my son as a single mom. And without the structure and the support and encouragement of positive discipline and the positive discipline community, I sometimes wonder how I would have managed that. Um, I learned to take care of myself. I learned to deal with my own depression and anxiety. I learned how to have a respectful relationship with my son's dad. Mm -hmm. And most important, I learned how to build a really good connection with my kid, Mm -hmm. who is still like the greatest thing in my life. And it doesn't hurt that he's now given me a two-year-old granddaughter. So So cute. She's so cute. Pretty sweet. Everything they say is true. But it's really wonderful to watch your own child, particularly when you've had kind of a rocky beginning, Mm -hmm. um, become such a fabulous husband and dad. And he is so bonded to his wife and to that little girl. Just makes my heart sing. Because I remember the nights when he would cry in bed and say he just wanted his dad back. And Mm time he got mad at me for putting his pajamas on him and said, you know, dad wouldn't have left if you hadn't been such a crummy wife. Um, We had our moments. We really, really did. And I think we both grew through them. And I've always had um, a real soft spot in my heart for single parents. I now work as a therapist, so I see a lot of them in my practice. And interestingly enough, I've been doing some teaching in China for single parents, because in China, it's actually quite a shameful thing. Mm. And single moms have very few rights and often lose access to their children. So to come in and now open the door for people to actually discuss their life as a single mom and how to get along with the other parent. And it's it's really been quite something to watch people kind of melt and, and open to being okay with being a single mom mm-hmm. there or dad. Um, there are lots of ways of becoming a single parent. Divorce is still the most common, but people are widowed. Um, people have children they adopt on their own. They have children with same sex partners. And then those relationships, unfortunately, sometimes fall apart as well. Mm-hmm. So there are lots of men and women who are raising kids on their own. And there are some things that are directly affected by that in parenting. And then there are other things that are just a part of raising kids, no matter how many parents you have in a family. Sometimes it's hard for single parents to tell the difference. They think everything is because, oh my God, I got divorced and now my kid is ruined. And news is, is that's so not the truth. So well, and and I'd love to kind of pause you right there. So in your work and in your experience, what would you say are some of the biggest challenges for single parents specific to being single parents? You know, the research on this is actually really clear. The biggest challenge, particularly for single women, um, is money. 
-hmm. Women are still traditionally paid less than men for doing the same work. It's not a political speech, by the way. It's just an observation. And so women wind up working. Um, Childcare is expensive. Mm -hmm. Try to figure out how to pay the bills, how to have a decent place to live. Um, A lot of people believe that children raised by single moms in particular are going to do less well in school, are going to have problems with the law. And that can sometimes happen, but it tends to be more a function of the neighborhoods those families wind up living in because the mom may not have the job skills or the family support to be able to provide something better. Um, That's a big challenge. The other is simply not having enough hours in the day. So I had one child and there was one of me. So Mm -hmm. we we had a pretty good balance. Um, but you know, I work with families all the time where there'll be a single mom and two, three, four kids right? and trying to make sure you have a solid connection with each of those kids. Cause they're all different and that you can spend special time with each of those kids and that you're on top of what they're doing with school and that they, it's, it's overwhelming. Yeah. And so a lot of single moms and dads don't get enough sleep. Um, they don't have enough support. They don't know who to call to help them with whatever. I cannot tell you how many men I've walked through how to braid their daughter's hair because Mm. no one's ever explained it to them before. So one of the things you get good at as a single parent is asking for help and not being embarrassed or shy about it. Um, I'm fond of saying that karma being what it is, um, you ask for help today and tomorrow someone will need your help with something else. So I love that. I love that opportunity to give back. And I just finally got over my pride and my ingrained belief that I had to do everything for myself and got really good at saying, Hey, I don't know how to install the ceiling fan who can help me. Yeah. That's good. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God. Spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well-being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. Hey, so I'm so excited. I want to share with you about one of our new sponsors, Starglow Media. They have this amazing show for all of you with younger kids called Mysteries About True Histories. Every episode 
follows Max Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers and on adventures through time packed with puzzles and hidden equations, histories, and laughs. You all know Alana, our co-founder at Sproutable. She listened to the show with her seven-year-old and loved it. They would pause the show and try to figure out the math problems together, loved learning about different cultures and the histories around the world. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and so much more. Math is geared Math is what they call it. Math is geared towards kids six and over, but can be enjoyed by the entire family. Episodes drop every Thursday, and they're about 15 minutes. Perfect length for the car rides, mealtime, break time, bedtime. Each episode is stacked with so much laughter, and your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories math with your kids you can follow and listen on apple podcasts or wherever you get your pods yeah well and and again you know you had mentioned that sometimes when we just look through our lens we feel like our problems are are individual to us and you know i'm thinking gosh it's even it's even challenging creating that connection and making sure it's happening even in a family with two parents and Um, But I do, and we're going to talk in a little bit about how, you know, any action steps that you share with parents when they are single and they do have more than one child and they are trying, you know, they do understand the value of special time and they feel really stuck in the time container, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, um, Yay. Oh, I'm so glad to talk to you. And you know what, Cheryl, I just also want to say, so listeners, Cheryl, not only is a colleague of mine, but she's also one of my friends. And it's really lovely to get to hear um, your story, both around positive discipline and just around your parenting practice. So thank you for being so generous with your share. Of course, Casey. Yeah. So in your work and in your own experience um, with single parenting, what are what are some of the positive discipline tools that you found and find are the most supportive for single parent households? Well, let me let me preface this by mm-hmm. saying that after it probably took me two years to get really comfortable with being a single parent and really to recovering from the end of my marriage. Yeah, um, that was a rough time. And honestly, there are pieces of it I don't actually have a lot of memories of. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to go back and look at my journal to remember what exactly was going on then. But well, when and, I began yeah, before we talk about tools, even can we talk about that a little bit? So what were some of the things that were that you remember that were helpful? And because even as I'm thinking, sorry, I did not mean to interrupt you, but I'm just thinking, no, like, it's good. Well, yeah, this is really powerful and important. There is well, a healing. It's not you get separated one day and the next day. It's like, what positive discipline tools can I put in action? No, I, uh, when I discovered I was going to be getting divorced and when we sat down with my son and told him that this was happening and we did this together and we tried to do it as respectfully as we could. My son never heard us argue. He never heard yelling. Um, nobody, I mean, if, if there is a good divorce, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, we tried to have it. Um, there are still impacts on children and with the right kind of connection, as you know, children can be incredibly resilient and they can adjust, but it's never the same. And it can it, it can be wonderful. And I actually grew to love being a single mom and I loved my quiet, peaceful home. But the first couple of years were really, really difficult. Um, I 
experienced some depression. I had to learn how to take care of myself. I was terrified about money because I'd been out of the workforce. Um, I had to figure out what I was going to do with myself. I wound up going back to school to get a master's degree. So it's like, let's add more layers of stress on top of this whole thing. And I can remember I I bought a house, which was the single scariest thing I'd ever done in my entire life. I bought a house as a single woman and moved into this lovely neighborhood. And my son went out like after we moved out and came home with two little boys who lived down the street, whose names were Alex and Alex, really. (laughs) And he walked in with these kids and I was laying on the couch reading and resting for a minute. He says, mom, he says, these are my new friends. This is Alex and this is Alex. And he looks at his friends. He says, this is my mom. She cries all the time. I want to say, I do not. And then I thought, actually, I kind of do. Yeah. So, you know, this leads back to tools. The thing that especially early in the process, I found the most useful was the ability to do active listening and to label and talk about feelings and to make it okay to be sad and to make it okay to be angry and to help find appropriate ways to express that Mm -hmm. and to be able, and I can remember the first Thanksgiving that we were alone and my son and I were, we had Thanksgiving on Wednesday because he was going to be with his dad and his family. Mm -hmm. And he said, do we really have to have a turkey, mom? I'm going to have turkey at grandma's. And I said, nah, of course not. What would you like? He said, cheeseburgers. So we had cheeseburger and we made pilgrim headdresses and we, we held hands and I said, let's each say something we're thankful for, which we did. And then he looked at me and he said, mom, he says, can I say something I'm not thankful for? And I said, of course. And he said, I'm not thankful for the divorce. Mm. And I said, yeah, it's, I'm not either. And look at all the things we still have. Mm-hmm. And we cried together. But you know what? Those moments are part of what build the connection and make it okay. It made it okay for both he and I to begin to move forward and to heal and to kind of fold all of that massive emotion into our lives and eventually wake up a couple of years later, you know, as we'd walk through this and, and find ourselves thinking, you know, life is pretty normal. Yeah. yeah, there's only one parent in this house, but you know what? Our house is peaceful and it's respectful and my son's doing well in school and he has great friends and he goes to his dad's house and they do whatever they do over there and we've got a routine now so we know what's happening when and we have a schedule and I learned early on I was raised by a mother who ironed her sheets and pillowcases. Oh, um, me too. Okay. <laughs> First thing to go as a single mom was ironing anything. Um, I decided I would rather go out and throw the baseball with my son or go ride bikes than be inside keeping an immaculate house. So it was neat and clean and tidy, but it was, you could not eat off my floor like you could eat off my mother's. Um, And that was okay with me because I got a really good sense of what my priorities needed to be. And for me, the priority was kind of in equal measure, how my son was doing in our connection, and then my own well-being, my physical, mental, and emotional health. Because I learned, especially working as a therapist, that I could not give what I did not have. Mm -hmm. And if I didn't take care of myself, I was a grumpy mother and not a very good therapist and not a very nice person. So I started doing yoga, which I've now done for 20 some odd years. And I get lots of exercise and made time when my son was with his dad. I went out and spent time with my friends and got really good at nurturing myself so that I could be the kind of mom um, and the kind of human being, the kind of woman that I wanted to be. I hear a lot of tenderness 
here too, like just in your conversations with your son and tenderness and just surrender and accepting things as they are and, and joy in mm-hmm. that too. So thank you for sharing you know, about that. You know, you, the name of your podcast obviously is Joyful Courage, but I actually was at yoga this morning and my yoga instructor, who I love, brought up joy and where the seed of joy is. And she said something I thought was interesting. She said, you can't create joy. You simply have to find it and notice mm-hmm. that it exists and bring it into your awareness. Mm. And I, that really spoke to me. I thought, I think sometimes I overlook all the joy that can be in challenging times because I'm so focused on trying to, this is just me doing the right thing and making sure, sure everything is. And I, th- I think sometimes I haven't paused enough to simply notice the joy. I did that more and more as I got used to being a single mom. Um, I was a single mom for almost nine years before I married the lovely man I'm now married to my son's stepdad. So I got better at it as I went along. Um, but yeah, it's there are real blessings and gifts in being a single parent, and it takes a while to discover what those are. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. But, but they're there. Yeah. So, and a tool that's already come up in this conversation as well. And um, I did a whole show with our friend Kelly Pfeiffer, which was episode fifty-eight around special time. Um, and parents have often shared around how tough it can be, like I said earlier, to feel as though they can create that time and space with kids individually when there's only one parent and multiple kids. What are some of the creative tips and ideas that you share with the people that you work with around special time? And maybe what are, you know, I think that, I think that it's really easy for us to get rigid here. Like, okay, I've got to figure this out and it has to look a certain way. And, 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 and then we bump up against that rigidity and start feeling bad about ourselves. So what are Mm -hmm. some things that, how do you support parents with this? Well, there's, I think there's two kinds of special time and you've already alluded to it. One is the kind you plan. Mm -hmm. So depending on the age of your children as part of a family meeting or simply sitting down and like scheduling out the routine, by the way, routines are powerful for single parents because it takes a lot of that scrambling around out of your life and you kind of have a better sense of what you need to do and when, but you can definitely build special time into your daily routine. I was very fortunate in the sense that I had one child. Um, I can remember trying to convince Jay Nelson once that every time I was alone with my son, it was actually a family meeting and we didn't have to sit down. She didn't buy it, by the way. Um, but, you know, we kind of had built in special time anytime we were connected to each other because there was no competition. When you have more than one child, you have to be a little bit more intentional about it. So you can, I've seen people do really clever things with like spinner wheels, with trips to the grocery store, you know, who gets to go, who stays here, who does, you know, who's in the kitchen with mom. If you have younger children, obviously you have to make sure that they're safe and cared for. Um, so maybe if you're doing special time with child A, you're going to have to take a few minutes to help child B and C understand what they can be doing and to know that their special time will be coming. Um, it, it is more challenging with single parents. And, you know, some people are really great at organizing time and other people not so much. And I really try to encourage people not to get all judgmental and, as you said, rigid about mm-hmm. it. If you go a couple days and it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But you do the best you can to build it in. And sometimes 
special time is just what happens before you're going to bed Mm -hmm. or you're in the kitchen and you say, hey, I could really use someone to help me rinse this lettuce or grate this cheese. Who would like to do that? And then you're in there playing together. Um, One of the times that my son still talks about is I moved into a little house, but I didn't have a lot of extra money. So it was not air conditioned. And this is the Nevada desert. So it can get very hot. And he was about eight years old. And it was hot in our house. Man, it had to have been close to 100 degrees in oh, my wow. kitchen. And I was doing the dishes, and he came in, and he was whining. There's just, like, no other word for it. It's too hot. <laughs> and I had kind of had it myself. And so I took the kitchen squirter, and I, like, squirted his legs. Uh-huh. And he goes, Mom, and, like, stomps off to his bedroom. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, great. Now I get to go apologize again. I got lots of practice doing this, by the way. And I hear the floor creak behind me. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. And our house was kind of, you could go like in a circle from the kitchen to the dining room to the living room back into the kitchen again. And I turn and look over my shoulder and he is standing there with his Super Soaker 2000 <sighs> full, fully loaded. And he looked at me like, am I going to be in trouble if I squirt you? And so I squirted him first and we soaked the entire kitchen and each other. We laughed and laughed and laughed. And then he helped me clean it up afterwards. And we didn't ever do it again. It happened one time. But I thought, you know, being willing to have just that little spark of spontaneity every once in a while. And, you know, is it okay to, like, shoot your water gun in the house all the time? Uh, No, not in my house. 
But on that night, it made perfect sense. And he went to bed laughing and I went to bed laughing. And it's still all these years later, it's one of his favorite memories is the time we had the water fight in the kitchen. Oh, I love that. So, you know, sometimes if you're just open and I'm for those of you who know positive discipline and no top card, I am a control top card. This means I tend to like structure an organization a lot. Um, so being spontaneous was never one of my strengths. And it's something I learned being a single mom. Mm. I learned to just kind of drop my expectations and my need to get things done and go with the moment. And I've never regretted the times I was able to do that. Yeah. Lightness, choosing into lightness, right? Yeah was not one of my strengths. I still wrestle with it sometimes, but I'm getting better. Uh, you and me both, sister. <laughs> <laughs> you, I am also a control top card, so that speaks to me definitely. And, you know, and we talk a lot in Positive Discipline about how, you know, those challenging opportunities are actually a gift for teaching, modeling, and practicing the tools and the skills we want our kids to one day embody and grow into, right? We're raising adults mm-hmm. ultimately. So what are some things um, that you would offer to keep in mind around this for single parents, around the modeling and uh, the modeling specifically, because you had written me a little bit um, around what you'd like to talk to, but I'd love to hear, you know, because there's, especially around moving, moving past the relationship and that And I, you know, I was raised in a two family or two different families and, um, my parents did not do a good job of keeping things peaceful and, and respectful and not letting us see the angst and they did not do a good job of that at all. I'm sorry, Casey. That's so tough on kids to have to deal with that. I've been to therapy. It's okay. (laughs) I think you turned out just fine. I think I'm okay. There's always more work, but you know, so when you, when you talk about modeling and we talk about that a lot, right. In our work and, um, what comes up for you around single parenting that you just want to, would be helpful for the listeners to hear from you. You know, here's, here's one of the gifts of being a single parent. Number one, you really determine the atmosphere in your own home. Mm. So you, you can't influence what goes on in the other parents' home. Um, a lot of the co-parents I know who have conflict with the other parent is because they're trying to tell that person how they will raise this child when they're with them, um, how you're going to feed them and what to do with homework and what to do about screen time. And you really don't have that option. You can suggest and invite and encourage you can't make. So if you take that energy and you focus it on what you're doing in your own home um, and creating an atmosphere of respect and kindness and really using all of those tools that we know so well, single parent families can actually turn out to be amazing ways for kids to develop incredible life skills. I didn't just welcome my son's help. I needed my son's help. There was just one of me. And particularly as he got older and he wanted to contribute Um, And I love what Jane Nelson says about, you know, belonging without contribution is really just entitlement. Um, So really helping our kids learn that sense of making a contribution and single parents can really benefit from the help. So my son's name is Philip. He learned a lot of life skills because I was very open to him stepping in and doing whatever he wanted to do so he could cook meals and he didn't always love to do everything, but he was really a tremendous help. He learned to manage money. 
Um, we had a conversation one evening because he wanted expensive basketball shoes and I couldn't afford them. And so I walked him through my budget um, mm -hmm. without a word about, you know, child support and all of that stuff where it tends to go sometimes. I just said, here's what we've got every month. And here's what has to be paid and here's what's left. And he got it. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you what, when by the time he's now 32, he's completely out of debt. He has a great job. It's amazing. Uh, he has a house payment. I take it back. He's not completely out of debt. But their cars are paid for. I mean, he learned how to pinch a penny because we talked about money issues. And he knew that he couldn't have everything his friends had because we had one income mm -hmm. in our family. And I wasn't complaining about that. It's just, here's the reality, my friend. I think he was 12 when we had this conversation and he understood. Yeah. So when he wanted something special, what I would always say is, you know, what plans can you make to contribute to this special thing that you want? And if you can do that, I'll meet you halfway. Yeah. So he learned delayed gratification and he learned to work hard for something. Um, kids can learn some really valuable things without being lectured and without being deprived when I think parents are willing to say, hey, here's the reality. Um, what ideas do you have? And, you know, it's a great opportunity for problem solving and kids can be great problem solvers. So all of those things can happen in a single parent family really, really well. Is it more challenging if you have like four children? Of course it is. But you can still you can still build it in. Yeah. And how I lived my life, the choices I made about money um, the way I spoke about his dad, the way I tried to conduct my own life, like it or not, that was a more powerful teacher than my words. Yeah. And so I always hated that part because I make so many mistakes. But, you know, as we say, mistakes are great opportunities to learn. And so I won't say that I ever learned to welcome mistakes, but I learned to not be upset by them. Um, and to be able to say, yep, that was me. That was my bad. Um, how shall we fix this? Mm -hmm. And what ideas do you have so that this doesn't happen again? And, you know, we didn't have big struggles in adolescence. We've, we've managed to keep things pretty well together in our little family. So it's good to have that structure. And that's where I've been so grateful to positive discipline and to the friends and colleagues I've made through that community who really encourage me when I get when I get rattled or when I would get exhausted and who could step in and say, hey, you know, it's going to get better and just keep doing what you know. Mm -hmm. And so far, so good. Uh, the hardest part of parenting for me, and I think it's because there were just two of us and we had a very close relationship for so many years. The hardest part of parenting for me has definitely been letting go. Yeah. And watching him sail off into the world and fall in love with a beautiful young woman. I love my daughter-in-law. She's just amazing. Um, and really build his own life. And that necessarily means that, you know, mom becomes not the center of the universe anymore. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's always changing. Yeah. Life is just always bringing you another lesson and another level. And I work to try to stay open to those things and to learn what I need to learn. And some days are good days and other days I get to the end of it and think, well, that didn't go well. Yeah. <laughs> you need to work harder on that one. But overall, it's been a tremendous journey. And I wound up kind of being grateful that I was a single mom for yeah. my sake. Mm -hmm. I still, Casey, have regrets for my son. You know, it's just even when your parents work really hard at it, 
that is that is not the way most children want their family to work. Yeah. They want their mom and dad to be in the same place and to have all of that work. And, and when that's not the way it is, there is work you have to do in order to, to make that right and to make sure that they have the connection that they need. Yeah. Um, it is a deficit. And kids can certainly go on to have great lives, and many of them do, and great relationships, and many of them do. But my son, I think, would tell you that his parents' divorce definitely had an impact on him. And yeah. he's had to do some work to recover. So, Well, and I think there's also gifts there. I mean, I'm thinking about that speech that Michelle Obama gave around adversity, right? And the strength and the possibility that that is available when there's been adversity that people have had to work through, you know? And I remember I, my family is so, I love my family, of course. And I mean, it was crazy town. I have siblings that are all related to me, but not necessarily related to each other at all. Like not even step, you know, and it's always just been, well, this is, this is what I know. This is normal. Right. And so remembering, I think too, like the kids, you know, the kids are just having the life experience that they're having. And what I'm hearing you speak a lot into Cheryl is just a tremendous amount of love and dedication to your child, regardless of what the family structure looks like. So I really and, appreciate that. And listening. Yeah. And acceptance of where they are. And that sometimes even when I had done my best to make something right, quote unquote, that my son's perception was different <laughs> and that his perception was his perception. And then I needed to work from where he was yeah. and not just from what I thought should happen. And, you know, the other thing, and you mentioned Michelle Obama, and, you know, you hear a lot of this saying these days, but, you know, when other people want to go low, mm -hmm. choosing to go high is never the wrong idea. It is right. never the wrong thing to do. So for people who are co-parenting and who maybe have a hard time getting along with their ex-partner, you know, you will never, ever damage your child or yourself by going high. You yeah. will not. I see so many people giving into the temptation to just say that nasty thing or make an argument about, you know, how many pairs of underwear at the other parent's house and how come they're not doing blah, blah, blah. And the people who suffer for that are children. Mm -hmm. they, yeah. they hate it. They hate that conflict. So, you know, you can be honest. You can say, I don't get along well with your dad right now. And I know you know that without ever saying anything disrespectful or hurtful. Yeah. And I'm working on my feelings. And I know that you love your dad or you love your mom and you want to be with her. You know, kids are really perceptive. And I've worked with so many children in my office who've got a really good fix on where their parents are. They know their mom never keeps promises or they know their dad never shows up on time. And you know what? They want the freedom to love them anyway. Mm. And when we mess with that, we we are endangering our children's emotional well-being. It's it's just the way it works. Oh, that's really powerful. That's really powerful. Thank you for that. Oh, Cheryl, I'm so glad that you came on. This is so great. This is such an important conversation. Well, there are a lot of single parents. Yeah. Um, the last thing that I, the statistic I read is that somewhere in the neighborhood of 70% of American children will spend some time in a single parent home. Wow, really? Casey, that's a ton of kids. Yeah, that's a ton and, you of know, kids. Some of them go through this because step families are very, very complicated. This mm -hmm. is a whole nother conversation is step family living. Um, and they have a higher failure rate than first marriages wow. because they're so complicated. 
which means that some of the kids I know have been through this whole process of reforming families more than once. Right. And so, you know, we know from Positive Discipline and Adler, you're learning what you're learning and you make decisions and form beliefs. Yeah. And some kids' beliefs about love and respect and family are not going to help them as they continue on. And so, you know, maybe your listeners can keep in mind wherever they are um, and however many parents are in their children's lives. You know, you can never have too many people who love you. Mm -hmm. If your child has step parents who love them and are a positive part of their life, that's something to celebrate, not be jealous about. Mm -hmm. Um, And really try to look at what your kids are learning and deciding about how relationships work in the world. Because you want them, and as you said, we're raising young adults, and we want them to have those character qualities and life skills that we all hope for. And they're making their minds up about those things by watching us. And we are frail and not perfect. So checking in with them and saying, you know, what what are you thinking? And how are you feeling about this? And when a child says, you know, I really want to go see my dad right now, or I really need to be with my mom right now. Not going, well, it's my day and you don't get to go there until Wednesday. Right. Um, you know, I've worked with families where children are not allowed to call their other parent when they're at a parent's home. Hmm. And it's just my personal opinion, but I think that's damaging and foolish. Yeah. You know, you should be able to call either one of your parents no matter where you are. And yeah. you don't have to talk to them. <laughs> right. But your child should, should be able to without you, by the way, listening in, taking notes and then holding them accountable afterwards. Right. It's like they want to talk to their dad. Let them yeah. talk to their dad. Yeah. So it's it's hard. To, I think single parents find that they have to put their own ego and their own feelings. You have to deal with them and acknowledge them. But sometimes you have to learn how to feel one way and act another. Because what your child requires right now is not what feels good to you. Ah, that is hard to it's do. It's hard stuff. I know because I've and, been there. Yeah. and mm-hmm. And we choose to do it anyway. We try. So I always tried to take the high road. I know my ex-husband did as well. Um, Neither of us were successful 100% of the time, but I think we did well enough that our son was able to move on and make good decisions about his own life. And, you know, now he's now that he's married himself, I, I... He's going back and re-examining some of these experiences from a new perspective because he's now a married person. So we've had some really interesting conversations. I I think he has more empathy for his his poor mom and dad. (laughs) Um, And I certainly have a lot of empathy. I have huge compassion for my son. Yeah. You know, I had uh, certainly not a perfect upbringing, but my parents were married for 50 some odd years and were loving and respectful. And I never had the question where I belonged or how my family worked. Mm -hmm. I was the first divorce in my family all the way back on either side to like Adam and Eve. They did they did not know what to do with me, Casey. It was hilarious. I look back on it now and it was hilarious. They just, they had no idea. So when Positive Discipline for Single Parents was published, and I was so proud, I had a book, like you could go to Barnes and Noble and see my book. Yeah. And I, sent I a have copy a copy. To, <laughs> well, good. <laughs> I sent a copy to my mom and she received it and she called me the next day in tears. She said, I didn't understand until I read this book what you'd been going through all these years. Aww. And it really touched my heart because she, she had no way of sure. hooking onto that experience. It was just so not her own. Right. So, you know, we need to be gracious with each other. I think if you can manage to be 
empathetic with your ex, that's wonderful. Um, to ask for help when you need it and really to forgive yourself because you're never going to be perfect and your kids actually don't need you to be. They just need you to be real and connected and willing to do some problem solving when things go sideways and they, and they will I yes. can promise you that one thing you can depend on, right? In life. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. I do have one last question that I love to end with. Mm-hmm. Cheryl Irwin, what does joyful courage mean to you? Hmm. I don't know. I think for me, and some of this comes from being 62 and a, and a grandma now, um, it's being willing to take each day as it comes and to look for what's right about it, not what's wrong with it, hmm. um, and to not be afraid of risk. I have never been a good risk taker. Um, as a single mom, I learned I had to take some as someone who now travels the world teaching positive discipline. I've gotten comfortable with getting on planes and flying off to Egypt by myself when Mm -hmm. I don't know anybody there. Um, and some of the greatest joy and blessings of my life have been when I found the courage to take an appropriate risk. So you don't have to fly to Egypt or China to do that. You can do that right in your own backyard. But certainly the single parents who are listening to you, Casey, feel like life can be pretty risky on a pretty regular Mm -hmm. basis. Mm -hmm. And being able to embrace that and learn the skills you need to do to be able to do that well will bring you joy. Mm -hmm. Um, Joy in your kids, eventually joy in your grandchildren, perhaps, and simply joy in your own life. In you know, at the end of it, my son goes off over the horizon and I'm left with my life and what I make of it. Yeah. And I'm trying to do something with my life that I can be proud of. And that's what joyful courage means to me. And it's taken me pretty much all of these 60 years to figure that out. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, talk to me when I'm 80 and I'll let you know how this is all working. Well, yeah. I mean, my definition of joyful courage, I notice, is I don't have a stock definition. It changes. It depends on where I'm at, what I've been working on. You know, lately, yeah, it's a a fluid concept to me. It evolves. And I love asking people that come on my show what they think because I just hear the most beautiful, um, heartfelt responses to that. So thank you. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. And thank you for the invitation. Yeah. Well, before you go, where can listeners find you and follow your work? Well, I have a website, which is www.cherylirwin.com. Very simple. It's just my name. Mm -hmm. Um, I also have a professional page on Facebook, which is Parenting with Cheryl Irwin. Um, And that has access. I do public radio commentaries on parenting here every week. So all of that stuff is available on my website and I welcome emails and questions. And I also do parenting coaching online if people have questions. So I'm around. My husband is retiring in the spring and I probably will close my private practice here, which is a big step for me. But I'm going to continue to be available online and in doing the kinds of things that we've just spent the last half hour or so doing. Yeah, great. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Casey. Take care. Oh, yet again, feeling so honored and grateful for the voices that I get to 
share with you through this podcast. I love this podcast. I love that I, I, I mean, I hope that you all hear it. You hear it, right? You hear how much I'm learning and I'm growing in these conversations. It's such a thrill for me to have guests on to talk about all of these different perspectives and tools and lifestyles and all of it. It's just so powerful for me. And I know it's powerful for you too, because you tell me. Now I'm going to do a little time warp. Remember back towards the beginning of the year when I was super excited about impacting 1 million children? Remember that? I'm still excited about that. I'm still excited about that. And today's call to action for the podcast is for you to share it. Share this podcast because I feel like this is the most powerful offer that I have for making that impact on 1 million children. The more people see and hear about and know people who listen to this podcast, the more likely it is that they will say, huh, I'm going to give it a listen too. And if you have found value in the podcast, which I'm guessing you have because you keep listening, (laughs) which yay, keep doing that, um, then, you know, share it. Don't just hold on to it for yourself. Share it. Let other people know. Um, that this is something that you find a lot of value in and that you appreciate. It's a great way to give back to Joyful Courage by sharing the podcast. So that is my invitation to you this week, sharing the podcast. Again, we will have a giveaway, an April giveaway. And every time you share the show and you ta- you have to tag me and tag Joyful Courage and or so that I know that you've shared it, your name will go into a pot and you will get a special prize at the end of the month. I'm not sure what that prize is going to be yet for April, but I promise it'll be something good. So share, share, share. Join me in impacting 1 million children and their families through spreading this work that is making such a difference in your life. All right. I love each and every one of you. If you are not already a part of the Live and Love with Joyful Courage Facebook group, I would love to invite you in. It's a place where there is some really amazing support, celebration happening. I share all of my offers there. And, um, you know, people really speak into how safe it feels in that group and how supported they feel. So join us over at Live in Love with Joyful Courage and help me impact 1 million kids by sharing the podcast. Yeah. And have a beautiful, beautiful day. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice.
So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder, and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.